service. Father, we just come to you right now, and Lord, we realize that uh, what we've just sung about is, has a lot to do with that relationship you desire to have with each of us, Father. And Lord, we know that when it comes to worship, when it comes to when we turn and acknowledge who you are, Lord, there's something that happens within us. Uh, Lord, hopefully we, we get a little smaller and you get a little bigger. And Father, not only that, we begin to see that there is something that you have for us. And Father, as we come to this point in our gathering, Lord, where we're encountering your word, as we hear from your word, Father, I just pray that it will speak to our hearts in a way that maybe it hasn't spoken to us in a long time. And Father, we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to invite you to turn to Nehemiah chapter 5, excuse me, chapter 4. Many of you know that I love the book of Nehemiah. It's probably one of my favorite books in the Old Testament uh, as it relates to just some things that we deal with on a regular basis. And I think you'll find many life applications in this book itself. Now, when I go to Nehemiah, normally I'm talking about leadership or I'm talking about uh, accomplishing something great. Uh, but today, what I want to do is I want to use the book of Nehemiah to point out something that I think we all face one time or another, and that is our fear, our fear. Franklin D. Roosevelt once said this, and you've heard this quote before, the only thing we have to fear is what? Fear itself. That's right. We know that quote. And, and really, when you think about it, he, he's exactly right. I want you to think about some of the fears that you have, and, and I want you to think about some I'm getting ready to show you that you probably would have never imagined, and you may even laugh at some of these, but, but when you start looking at this whole idea of fear, we look at words, and there's all kinds of phobias out there. They, they have a, a word for every kind of fear that we experience. Julius Caesar now think about this man. He, he was pretty mighty when it came to the world, at least the civilized world. Was afraid of thunder. Thunder. It's very interesting. The Russian emperor, Peter the Great, he stood six foot five, but was afraid to cross bridges. They literally said when he would cross a bridge, he would cry. You know, we could laugh at that. We could look at that. Some of you are like, no, I understand that. I'm, I'm right there with them. I, and I get that. No matter how foolish or humorous another, people's, another person's fear may look to us, our own fear seems to be very serious. I think we would agree with that. We all have fears. Some of us are afraid of the dark. Some of us fear insects and snakes and fear of flying and fear of intimacy, fear of rejection, fear of failure. There's all kinds of fears that are out there. And I guarantee you, you could probably identify some that are in your life. Now, now let's understand this. Some fears are really not that big of a deal. Fear of snakes. I don't like snakes. I don't know anybody that likes snakes. If you like snakes, you're just weird. You're strange, okay? <laughs> But the whole idea that we have those fears, something like that, we can just kind of look the other way or go the other way. But, but some of you have some deep-seated fears in your life, and you've been plagued with these things for many years to the point that they've become debilitating. 
The whole series that we've entitled Emoji Masquerade is this whole idea of, of pulling off the mask and revealing the true idea of who we are to other people that we can join together and do what Ben said just a moment ago. Share what we're dealing with and, and have victory over these things from the support of a community of, of other believers. But here's what we need to understand. If you look at this series key verse, Romans 8, 37 says this, we are more than conquerors through him, through God who loved us. That means we can conquer anything through him, anything. If there's, a, if there's an area in your life like we just sung that is dead, he can resurrect that. Did you know that? If there's something in your life that needs to be crucified, he can give you the strength to crucify that. If there's fear that you have in your life that is debilitating to the point that it paralyzes you, he can do great things through that also. Look at the introduction on your outline. Fear, convincingly, is one of the most destructive emotions we experience in life. It can lead us into destructive behaviors and can keep us from God's best. Many criminologists, I think I've said that right, would say that most of the crimes that are committed, most of those crimes, uh, especially violent crimes, are, 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 are committed through the emotion of fear. There's a fear that's related to what someone does when they do violent harm to another individual. And we know that. We've seen that in so many ways. And, but not only that, that side of it, what about the fear that keeps us from God's best, what he desires for us? One of the greatest Bible stories of overcoming fear and having success comes from the narrative of Nehemiah. And that's what we're going to look at this morning. Now, let me give you a little historical background as to what's going on in this, in this book. It's 445 BC or thereabouts. It's during the Babylonian captivity. During this time, you need to understand the Babylonians have taken over. But then, not long after that, the Persians, they, they impose themselves and take over uh, the Babylonians. And now the Persians are ruling that part of the world. And of course, what's happening now is there are many Jews, they were scattered by the Babylonians, are now trying to make their way back to the homeland, so to speak, and are trying to resurrect their identity as God's people, as Jews. And so there's three waves that begin to make their way to Jerusalem and, and that region. And, and, and one wave was Ezra, and he was there trying to motivate the people to, to come together once again to identify the true and living God. Nehemiah would be considered the third wave. Now, what's interesting about Nehemiah's story is that he was a cupbearer to the, to the emperor or the kings. And, and, and right there, he's there. And, and, and many say the cupbearers were just more than just making sure there wasn't assassination attempts on the king or whatever. They were also there to provide counsel. And so Nehemiah had the trust of King Artaxerxes. He was king of all of Persia. And so what's happening now is King Artaxerxes hears about the, the, the passion that, that Nehemiah has for his people. And he desires to leave his, his position and go there and help them to resurrect the walls of the city of Jerusalem. Now, that was a big deal. A city without walls was open prey to anyone. A city with walls could, could establish a, a continuity of people and, and, and those people could have an identity. And that's what he saw and that was his passion. Artaxerxes surprisingly said, yeah, what do you need to pull it off? Gave him the supplies, gave him what he needed. Now it's interesting, some people say, why would Artaxerxes do this? 
Well, many scholars believe, now check this out, that his stepmother was Esther. Remember Esther in the scripture? And so many people believe that what's happening here is that we have a story that's being played out in which Nehemiah is now going to go. So look at Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 1. But it happened when Samballot heard that we were rebuilding the wall. Now, Samballot and these other guys that we're getting ready to mention, they are already in the region. The last thing they want to see is the identity of God's people come back together. To see Jerusalem, the capital of that, that, that great people of God, to, to be resurrected. They did not want that to take place. And so when Samballot heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he was furious, very angry, and mocked the Jews. And he spoke before his brethren and the army of Samaria and said, what are these feeble Jews doing? Will they fortify themselves? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they complete it in a day? Will they revive the stones from the heaps of rubbish, stones that are burned? Now Tobiah, the Ammonite, was beside himself. And he said, well, whatever they build, even if a fox goes up on it, it will break down their stone wall. And then notice verse 4. It appears to be the prayer of the people or prayer of Nehemiah. Hear, O our God, for we are despised. Turn their reproach on their own heads. Give them as plunder to a land of captivity. Let that happen to them what happened to us. Verse 5, do not cover their iniquity. Do not let their sin be blotted out before you. For you, for they have provoked you to anger before the builders. Basically, what you see here is, are the people, these people who did not want to see this task completed, they begin to ridicule the work. They begin to say, what in the world is all this really about? And, and really, deep down, they were fearful of what the outcome could be. And so, therefore, what they were doing is they were providing ridicule. We're right there at their ridicule. Right there, there was a seed that was attached one of fear that began to come to the people of God. Now, when it comes to fear, there's really three things we can do when it comes to our fear. If you look there on your outline, we can attempt to avoid it altogether. Now, let's go back to the idea of snakes. Do any of you want to encounter with a snake? Don't raise your hand. That you're just sick if that's what you're looking for. No, I'm just kidding. No, no, we don't want that, do we? But what if all of a sudden that snake begins to reveal itself? We avoid it, don't we? Some of you, what do you do? You run. Some of you scream. Some of you are like, oh my goodness, get that thing out of here like my wife does. <laughs> you know? And so there's all kinds of things. A, third, a second way we can deal with fear is hope it'll just go away. Just, just whatever I'm dealing with, just it, hope it'll go away. Or number three, we can face it and overcome it. Face it and overcome it. Now, am I implying you need to go to the snake and work out this special agreement that he won't bite you and you're going to... No, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about these fears that are paralyzing us to the point that we can't accomplish the things that we believe God's called us to accomplish. You see, fear robs us of our potential and prevents us from moving forward towards our purpose in life. Nehemiah's project was, purpose was to lead the project that would help rebuild Jerusalem. And as we've already read, and if you were to read the first four chapters, you're going to see that fear begins to creep in. The people, some of the people were, can we really do this? 
Other people were basically saying, you know, something, I'm hearing threats out there. I'm hearing that they're, they're saying the work really isn't going to accomplish much. I hear that they may come against us as we're getting ready to read. But all those things were out there. And right there in the face of their fear, listen, God was calling them to accomplish something. Right in the face of fear. Many of the greatest things that's ever ha happened in the Christian community down through the ages has been those who looked fear dead in the eyes and, and basically said, no, not, not what I'm experiencing here, but what God's will is will happen here. And for many of them, it meant losing their own lives. And you see that. And so how do we overcome? Look on your island. To overcome fear, number one, you got to develop a burning passion within there's got to be something within you that's greater, that, that emotion that you have that is greater than the fear that grips you. So many times, that's just one way of overcoming your fear, that passion, knowing this needs to happen. So in Nehemiah chapter four, look at verse six. So we built the wall and the entire wall was joined together up to half its height for the people had a mind. Some translations say they had a passion to work. There was something there that enabled them to overcome. Now, now what's interesting about what I'm reading here is, is you're reading about progress. You're reading about in the face of danger, in the face of their fear, progress was happening. So that passion overcame the, the, the fact they had fear. Number two, to overcome fear, accept fear as the price of victory. Many great things that have ever been accomplished have been facing fear. It, it really has. And, and if you look at those things that are out there, I mean, the fear of the unknown, the fear of, is this really going to work? The fear of, what if I fail? The, the fear of rejection. What if I put my idea out there and someone shoots it down? Or what if I put myself out there and, and I'm rejected? All the great things that have ever happened when you look at those things have happened while facing fear many times. In Nehemiah chapter four, verse seven, it says, now it happened when Samballat, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, and Ashdites heard that the walls of Jerusalem were being restored and the gaps were beginning to be closed, they were making progress, that they became very angry. And all of them conspired together to come and attack Jerusalem and create confusion. Now the threat of terror is now going to be before them. Before it was just something that they heard. Now what they're saying is we're going to bring this about. We're going to do it. We're going to put down what you think you're called to do. We're going to put down this thing that you're so passionate about. And so now their passion is being tested. Have you ever, you ever had something you were really passionate about? And, and, and you really thought you were passionate about it. And you started moving towards doing what you've been called to do or what you felt passionate about, only to discover you might not have been as passionate as you thought you were. Because the first little bit of criticism or the first little bit of someone's comment that was negative caused you to turn and run. Listen, I, I used to be a person like that. And then I began to see how God wanted to use my life. And I've seen it in other people and some of you sitting in this room. And I've seen how many of you have overcome things in your life that you probably thought you'd never be able to overcome. And it's because you face that fear head on. And as we're going to see a little bit later, your faith and your passion was greater than your fear. And y'all, that's the only way you're going to overcome it. 
And so we see these things begin to happen. And we see the Jews, uh, the price of victory, would it cost more than their fear? And I think many of us have to weigh that. So to overcome fear, here's another thing. Admit your fears. <laughs> Admit that you, got, you have fears. Listen, some of you have been pretending that something's not there for most of your life and you've never overcome it and it's just still sitting there. Some of you can identify what it may be. You just ignore it, hope it'll just go away. Has it gone away? For many of us, it hasn't. Still there. Still there. Here's what's interesting. I didn't write this on your notes. But I think one thing that's healthy to do is, number one, admit your fears, but also admit what those fears may cost you. What would those fears cost you? What kind of potential would be lost? What kind of purpose would not be fulfilled? In Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 9, this is interesting. Nevertheless, in the face of all this fear, in the face of all this terror, nevertheless, we made our prayer to whom? Our God, our God, a personal God, our God. And because of them, we set a watch against them day and night. So what did they do first? They took their fear to God. God, <laughs> help me to discern this fear. For some of you, it may be, God, help me to admit my fear. For some of you, God, help me to understand the cost of this fear that's paralyzing me, keeping me from what you may have for me. We need to realize some of the greatest blessings will come from the fear that we overcome. And I'm, I'm convinced of that. I've seen it play out in my own life. Many of you have. David and Goliath. Isn't it interesting when you read the story of David and Goliath? Have you ever read the story? And it's not, I'm talking about not in a child's book, even though there's some interesting takes on that. I'm talking about from scripture. It's almost like David. Let me tell you about David. When the giant come, came up, the whole place was filled with fear. All his older brothers, everyone, everyone. The king saw fear. David walks up. How, why are you letting this man talk about God the way you're letting him talk about God? Why in the world are you letting him get away with this? Aren't, is anyone going to do anything about this? Well, let me handle it then. What did he do? He went out there and did it. Now, I don't know about you, but when I read the story, I never read about David walking up and at first he was apprehensive. No, what do you read? He just walked up and did it. Just walked up, hey, I'll take this in my own hands here if I need to. Now, what prepared him for that moment? There were other times in his life where he had to overcome fear that pointed him to a point. See, he, and, and I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit. He had victory over here that he knew would translate into this situation. Now, now think about what he did. You, you know his story. He defeated a lion. He defeated a, a bear. He, he took care of those things that could cause him harm. And, and he overcame those things. And so he was being prepared for the moment he would stand before the giant. Now, some of you are like, you don't think the devil sent the bear in the line to take him out before he could get to the giant? No, I think God could have. Hey, bear, see that young guy over there? Walk on over there. See what you can do with him. <laughs> Because he was being prepared. If David would have ran and never faced the bear, if he had ran and never faced the lion, there would have been no one that day willing to stand up to the giant. 
So my question to you is this. What are you possibly being prepared for that, that you are not wanting to face, that you're not wanting to think about, that, that he may be preparing for? Or maybe there's a time in your life where you look back and you think, was that preparation and I didn't quite come through? There's so many different ways this plays out. But think about this. God has great things. To overcome fear, discover the root cause of your fear. What's the root cause? What, what's really happening here? You, you know part of my, my testimony. I've shared this. If you've been around here any length of time, you've heard some of this. Uh, I did not realize that there were two lies I was believing about myself until probably, I guess, 18, 20 years ago. And I, some things through God's Word just got uncovered. And that's the great thing about God's word. When you, when you go to God's word to encounter his word, to say, God, I know you have something you want to say to my heart. I know there's probably something there that needs to be revealed that I need to deal with. That's the way, you, first of all, you need to approach God's word. Okay? And so when I began to go to his word, when I began to take interest in wanting to be what God wanted me to be, there were some things that were uncovered. In that, and through that discovery, I learned that I had a tremendous fear of failure and rejection. And I was, I was not even fully aware of how that was affecting my life and the relationships around me. It, it caused me not to, uh, to, to not reach out in, in ways I needed to reach out. It caused me not to take, uh, this is probably a bad word, but chances I knew I needed to take chances on. All these things were there and it, were, it was paralyzing me. So we have this root cause for them. The first one is intense fatigue. In Nehemiah chapter four, verse 10, it says, then Judah said, the strength of the laborers is failing and there's so much rubbish that we're not able to build the wall. You ever been fatigued? I don't know about you, but um, when I get overwhelmed, anybody ever been, been overwhelmed? You know, you just, you feel like one more thing. If one more thing hits me, <laughs> I'm going to hurt somebody, you know. But, but it's that whole idea of being overwhelmed. And, and they were dealing with this fatigue. They were stressed. Their intense fatigue and the threat of attack created discouragement. For at least a month, the Jews had been exerting all their energy so they could, so they could muster up enough to, to build the wall. They were facing physical and psychological trauma. Night and day. Someone has said that discouragement, fatigue, and or stress can make cowards of the best of us. And that's what some of the things they were feeling at the time. And I've been there. You ever been through that thing that you know God's called you to and you kept plowing and you kept plowing and you, it's almost like you came to the end of yourself. You feel like if you, could, if you had a vision, you're just laying there on the battlefield. <laughs> just laying there. And God encourages you. And all of a sudden, we see that in the story of Elijah. If you ever studied the story of Elijah, he got to that point. Well, he just didn't feel like he could go on. He just exhausted himself. A second root cause is paranoia. Have you ever been paranoid about things? It's amazing what, what par fear does and, and creates paranoia in you. How many of you remember seeing scary movies? You ever see scary movies? Do you, you ever kind of find yourself in the same setting the scary movie carried you, and you're like, I wonder if that's going to happen to me? You know, First of all, that's a movie, right? You do understand that, right? 
But all of a sudden, we begin to have all these fears, and some of them are not even warranted. They become irrational. In Nehemiah chapter 4, look at verse 11. And our adversary said they will neither know nor see anything till we come into their, into their midst and kill them and cause the work to cease. What they were threatening was terror. And now let me say this. For them, it was real. They were facing some real fears. But I don't know about you, but all of a sudden they could be sitting there working and maybe they place a rock there and all of a sudden it shakes and it moves from just in placing it there and all of a sudden what could they be thinking? There they are. Everywhere they looked, the threat of fear to the point that even their mind was creating it in places it really wasn't. And y'all, that happens to many of us. We're sitting there and we're dealing with all this fear in our life and all of a sudden the enemy, and by the way, the enemy loves to use fear to keep us from God's best. I've, you've heard me say this many times. I believe if God went to the enemy and said, okay, you've really stretched yourself. You're doing a lot of damage to the world. I, I, here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna give you two of your weapons that you can have the rest I'm taking off the plate. You know what two he would keep? I'm convinced he would keep fear and number two, doubt. If he can keep you fearing and doubting, he can destroy your faith. He can destroy what God wants to do in your life. And I'm convinced that that's one, two of the things. A third root cause of fear is the threat of uncertainty. The threat of uncertainty in Nehemiah chapter four, verse 12. So it was that when the Jews dwelt near, dwelt near, <laughs> dwelt near, then came that they told us 10 times from whatever place you turn, they're going to be upon us. They're going to get us. It's just a matter of time. You ever lived your life that way? It's going to get me. It's just a matter of time. The only thing that I know, except if the Lord comes back, that will get us, it's just a matter of time, is death. And some of you look at that and you say, yeah, you're right about that, aren't you? <laughs> it's the only thing that we know for certain is going to happen. I mean, and for many of us, we fear death. The uncertainty of it. How's this going to come about? But it's amazing. You know, one thing that I've had the privilege to do as a pastor is I've had the privilege to, to be there at people's deathbeds. And it's amazing some of the things that I've discovered there. It's amazing that those people who, who had a dynamic faith, who, who just live by faith, how when, they, when they're there and they know it's just a matter of time, it's amazing how peaceful that is. And, 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 of course, we would be sitting there looking many times thinking, wow, how, look at this. Look at this display of faith. At the moment, we would think would be our greatest time of fear is their greatest time of faith. And I hope that when God brings me to that point in my life, that it will be faith that is there, that is the testimony and not fear. The threat of uncertainty, Nehemiah. Boy, we see it everywhere. The threat of attack, the unknown brings fear, causes people not to step out of their comfort zone, causes people to literally be paralyzed. From the unknown is the greatest enemy of victory and success. How many of you ever heard of Corey Tim Boone? You ever heard of her? Most of you in this room has. I'll probably say it to the next service. They won't have a clue or next gathering. They won't have a clue what I'm talking about. But Corey Tim Boone was a Holocaust survivor. 
Now, what's interesting about her book, if you've ever read her book, there were a lot of times in which fear could have been, I mean, just constant. They said every time the doors would open to where they were being held, it could be be them coming in to take one out to execute or taking a young lady out or young to, to, for rest. I mean, they were doing horrendous things to these people. And every time the door opened, there was a measure of fear that was through the unknown. What was going to happen next? Can you imagine living that way? Every time the door opened, who would be the one? Who would be the one? Listen to a quote she had. In the the context of that, listen to this. Never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. That is powerful when you think about it. In the context of what she went through. You know, I, I hate to say this, but... If I had just come up here and just quoted that, many of us would have just heard it and thought, boy, that's a great great quote. Yeah, yeah, uh uh-huh, I get it. But in the context of her life, does that not just astound you to think that? And that could be our faith. To overcome fear, focus on the things you can control. In Nehemiah chapter four, verse 13, it says, therefore, I positioned men behind the lower parts of the wall at the openings and I set the people according to their families with their swords, their spears and their bows. So, so here's, get the picture. All of a sudden they're doing this great work for God. They're building the walls, okay, of Jerusalem. They realize this is their only hope of getting back their national identity. Their only hope of of making God known to the way they wanted God known. And all of a sudden there's a threat of attack. So everywhere the families would literally become a unit. And, And basically you'd have part of them that would be there to make sure they're safe and the other part doing the work. Now, why would he put all the families together? How many of you would fight for your family? Some of your mamas, you'd claw somebody's eyes out if they messed with your baby. I've seen you do it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> and, and so there was great, I mean, think about what they're doing here. So there was something, John Wooden, he was a, a, a collegiate coach, probably one of the greatest. I know some of you think some guys now are, but they're not. But anyway, John Wooden said this, don't let what you cannot do interfere with what you can do. There's some things, how many of you would agree that this far in your life you've seen it play out this way? There's some things God expects of you and there's other things in which he'll take over and do for you. You get it? I've seen that over and over again. Listen, the thing that Jesus was impressed with when he walked the face of the earth, if you go back and do the study of the gospels, you'll find that the thing he was most impressed with was people's faith that they would step right out and do things that a normal person would never imagine doing. And and basically what you'd find in scriptures, he he basically used them as an example with his disciples. Look at that faith. Look at that faith. That's what I'm talking about right there. He was impressed with faith. God's so impressed with faith, he's got a whole chapter on it. Hebrews chapter 11. By faith, by faith, by faith. Look at him, by faith. Look at him, by faith. Look at him. Wouldn't it be cool if he, by faith, you did this? And boy, I tell you, it honored me. 
It was something we can talk about thousands of years later. Think about that. To overcome fear, feed your faith, not your fear. Nehemiah chapter 4, look at verse 14. And I looked and arose and said to the nobles and to the leaders, to the rest of the people, do not be afraid. Here it is. Remember the Lord, great and awesome, and fight for your brethren, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your houses. Notice Nehemiah. What did he do? He turned their attention to who? God. Any great leader who's leading people of faith will always cause their people to turn to God. Don't turn to me. I'll let you down. Don't turn to the, that person. You, you, you can get great advice. God can use them in mighty ways in your life. But boy, you better turn your attention to God, especially when it comes to matter of faith and those fears that paralyze us. And he tells them, remember him. Nehemiah chapter four, skip down to verse 20. Wherever you hear the sound of the trumpet, rally us there, to us there. And then look at what he says, our God will fight for us. Wow. You know what Nehemiah was doing? He was feeding their faith and not their fear. You ever been to a leader? And they said, what are we gonna do? I don't know. I guess we ought to run. Anybody got a white flag? Anybody? It's not leadership. You move forward. To overcome fear, put some victories under your belt. Nehemiah chapter six, verse 15. So the wall was finished in the 25th day of Elu in 52 days. And it happened when all our enemies heard of it and all the nations around us saw these things that they were very disheartened in their own eyes. For they perceived that this work was done by our God. Wouldn't it be cool to get to the end of your life and people begin to talk about you and they begin to say, you know something? That person's life would not have been made possible if it wasn't for God working in and through them. Wouldn't that be pretty cool to be said of you? Put some victories under your belt. While in the face of fear, the Jews were able to fulfill their purpose. Think about the capability of this victory. Think about the capability of what just happened over these 52 day period. For the rest of their lives, they're going to be saying, hey, children, grandchildren, let me tell you, if you weren't born yet, let me tell you what happened. This is what happened. God fought for us. He gave us deliverance. He did a great thing in our life. Let's, listen, that's going to feed them for years to come, possibly generations to come. And guess what? Thousands of years later, almost 2,500, 2,600 years later, right now, this same story is building our faith. Think about that. The capability of what God can do if we've just overcome. I gotta go, go quickly. To overcome the fear of failure. It seems that what they were trying to do is get them to the point where they actually feared the failure. Number one, appreciate the value of failure. Anybody ever done that? When I was plagued with this whole idea of fear of failure, I kind of went to that mode that failure was not, a, was not a, a something that could happen. And I drove myself and drove myself to the point that it began to affect the most important things around me. And, and I didn't realize that failure could actually be a help. And it was okay at times if we did fail. And because a failure allows us to grow. We will fail in a fallen world. Number two, to overcome the fear of failure, don't take failure personally. There's a big difference between I have failed and I am a failure. Big difference. 
Next, let failure redirect you. Let, let me tell you one thing about failure. Sometimes failure is God's way of redirecting you. It is possible. This is a closed door. Don't go here. Next, to overcome the fear of failure, not, excuse me, ask why, not who. When failure comes, you know the first thing we want to do? Who can we blame? Who caused this? Adam. Remember that? That woman you gave me, she caused this. Who is he blaming? Eve and God. <laughs> I mean, instead of asking why, let's, let's get to the point of, I mean, instead of asking who, let's get to the point of asking why. Next, to overcome the fear of failure, don't give up. Unless it is a closed door. But Henry Ford said this. I love this. Failure is the opportunity to begin again more intelligently. To overcome the fear of failure, look at the big picture. Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 14. And I looked and arose and said to the nobles, to the leaders, to the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them. Don't, don't Listen, he was basically saying, quit focusing on the temporal. Quit focusing on what God could take care of very easily. Remember the Lord great and awesome. Look to the eternal. Look to what lies ahead and fight for your brother and your, your sons, your daughters, your wives and your houses. And it happened when our enemy heard that was known to us and that God had brought their plot to nothing, that all of us returned to the wall, everyone to his own work. He was pointing them to the big picture, to the big picture. You see, this morning, I believe there's people in this room, you're in the bondage of fear. You're in the bondage of fear. And not only that, you're blind to the fear and you really don't know what it's costing you. I lived many years of my adult life not realizing what the fear, some of my fears were doing to me. And you know what it took? Admitting them, identifying them, and allowing God's word, listen, to transform my mind about who he was and who I was. And that's where it's going to happen. That's where it's going to happen. I want to close with these verses. Romans 8, 15, look here on the screen. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry, Abba, Father. You've got a daddy now. He's going to take care of you. Why are you fearing? Here's another one. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. You know, why, did he, why did he put sound mind in there? Because when we fear, we don't have a sound mind. Paranoia, the threat of uncertainty, imaginations, which leads us to this. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. The things that it's going to take to overcome what many of us are facing or most of us are facing or all of us are facing, we're not going to be able to get that out of a book necessarily. But mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Some of you are in this room and fear is a stronghold in your life. It paralyzes you. It holds you in bondage. But what does he say? He says, what do we do with these strongholds? We cast them down. How do you cast it down? You tear it down. You break it down. You take the initiative. So many times, God, you said you do this, this, and this. You know what God's waiting on sometimes? For you to get your own heart right, for you to really want it out of your life, and you start tearing it down yourself. And that's what he's saying here. Casting down. What are we casting down? Imaginations. Imaginations, those things that come from our fears, those things that come in which we're believing lies. 
And every high thing, that's the interesting, high things were always considered idols. Listen to this. This is going to make you mad. Some of your fears you've made out of idols. How do I know that? Because you'll protect them. You, 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 it's, they're so reverent in your life. You, you treat some of your fears like you do God. You're, it's reverent. You, 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 don't, you don't feel like you can engage it. So you stay away from it. You see what I'm saying? And, and so many people do that. And so he said, tear those things down. Everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. What's the knowledge of God? Well, he said, don't fear. Fear's not of me. I will never motivate you with that kind of fear. And bringing into captivity every thought to the, to the obedience of Christ. A lot of what feeds our fears are the wrong thoughts. The imaginations. The things that we make up in our mind. So how do we overcome application? Breaking the cycle of fear. Fear plus inaction, because fear paralyzes, plus inexperience, because you gain nothing when you're, doing, when you're standing still, plus ignorance, again, you're not gaining anything, plus the imaginations that you build about how terrible it may be if you do step out equals increased fear. And that's where a lot of you are living. Replace it with prayer and faith. Take the story of Nehemiah and say, listen, this is how God deals with people with fear. Look at him go. Plus action, plus experience, plus wisdom. That's what comes from it. Equals decreased fear and increased victory and blessing. And that's what God wants for all of us. He wants that for you. What's your fear? Identify it. I'm going to ask the ushers to come forward if they would. Father, we just come to you right now, and we just thank you so much for who you are. And, Lord, I, I know there's so many different fears that are represented in this room. I know that it's keeping people from the, best, from the best that you have for them. I know that possibly it's keeping ministry from happening and different things you've called people to. But, Father, right now, we, we just we look at that fear, and we realize that, Lord, you, you're perfectly handling that fear in our life. That, that part, not only did you come to, to this world to die for our sins, but you came and died in such a way to, to give us power, give us resurrection power to overcome those things that have overcome us. And Father, we just pray that you'll continue to help us to be mindful of those things you've called us to. We thank you for it. Pray you bless this offering in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. I have very quick time to do something. I